right. Hey, could we say thank you to Charles? Yeah. Thank you so much, Charles. And, uh, you know, Charles is, if you ever want to see how a Korean Terminator looks like, that is Charles with a blower and uh, the pressure washer. And Charles is a master of many things. Um, he's you know, a retired army colonel, he's a brilliant strategist, but he cannot swing a golf club to save his life. So if you want to see him fail at something, then come join our golf fellowship, all right? It's the only thing I promise that he's not good at. But um, anyways, uh, good morning, you guys. Um, and welcome to our uh, brand new series called Our One Another's. And, you know, as a church, we're coming three and a half years as a church, and we try to develop a rhythm. And one of the rhythms that we want to develop as, as the Lord provides is that we want to have a rhythm of every start of a new series, we'll have a start of a new Filipino word of the day. All right. And so this morning, they have a Filipino word of the day, and it is Beritania, right? Now, if you don't know, it's actually a Hawaiian word, Beritania, for Britain. Did you guys know that? Okay. So a normal, a non-Filipino would use the word Beritania like oh, when there's traffic, a high traffic, man, Beritania can get pretty clogged up, right, with cars. But how would a Filipino use the word Beritania in a sentence? Eh, Manong, did you went to the campus beautification yesterday and you, were you walking the weeds? Because uh, you're looking Beritania. Beritania? You're looking Beritania. Could I drop the mic right there? You guys could not put that together. Beritania, come on, think, think, think. You're, so, all the people that volunteered for campus beautification, you're looking Beritania? Amen. All right. Hey, this morning, you guys, open your Bibles. If you ever get stuck in Beritania, you'll never, you're not going to cover your arms now, right, with the arm sleeve. Anyways, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, we're uh, launching our series called Our One Another's. Our One Another's. And even though it is uh, three words, or the word one another is two words in English, in the Greek, there's only one word. It's the adverb alelon, okay? Now, the word one another occurs over 100 times in the Bible, but 94 times it occurs in the New Testament, okay? Over 60% of this one another is written by Paul. And of the 94 instances, it could be basically broken down into three categories, Okay? over 94 times. The first is unity, that we are to be at peace with one another, that we are to get along with one another, that we are to be reconciled with one another. The second third of the way this word is used in the New Testament is one of love, that we're to bear each other's burdens in love, that we're to love one another fervently. And the third way that's used, the third category, it's about 15 percent of the time or so is humility that we're to humble ourselves to one another philippians chapter 2 says consider one another more important than yourselves that we're to be humble in our relationships to one another and really what it boils down to is this you guys that faith is lived out and exercised in the context of relationships 
Let me repeat that. My faith, your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done, it is lived out, it is exercised within the context of what? Relationships. Meaning, it does not matter how long you've been a Christian. It does not matter how well you know the Bible. It does not matter how, how long or how much time you spend in prayer because it is, your faith is because your faith is exercised in the context of relationships. The test, here it is, the test, the litmus test of your spirituality can be measured by the health of your relationships. Meaning, you guys, you could, you'll say, oh yeah, you know, I read my Bible every day, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. I was like, oh, okay. How's your relationship with your kids? Do your kids respect you? Do they, do they submit to you? Do they honor you? Oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm an elder and I'm a, uh, I'm a leader at the church. Oh, yeah, how's your relationship with your spouse? How's your relationship with um, your neighbor? You see here, the litmus test of your spirituality and my spirituality is measured by the health of how we treat one another. And so before we... Um, uh, focus on our one another's, we first have to focus on ourselves and examine our own hearts. And our text this morning is from Hebrews chapter 3. So if we could all stand together and let's read the Word of God together in reverence and honor. We'll be reading from <coughs> the NIV this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll read verses 12 to 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But instead, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, so grateful, Lord God, for the gift of relationship. <coughs> Lord, I'm humbled, Lord, for the gift of being a husband being a father, being a brother, being a pastor, being a friend. Lord, everything in nature is relational, cyclical, Lord God. Everything is connected together. And Lord, you expect us and you desire for us, oh Lord God, to live in relationship. So Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that if there's any incongruency, Lord, to what we believe, to how we treat each other, God, that it would, <clears throat> that our relationships, Lord, and how we treat each other would match our faith in you. Lord, the greatest commandment, Lord, is to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so Father, we ask, oh God, that you would just perform a heart surgery right now, that you would convince us, that you would persuade us, O oh Lord God, the importance of 
encouragement. Your word tells us every day, on a daily basis, as long as it is called today, exhort, build up, edify, encourage one another. And so, Father, we thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on April 14, 1865, they examined the contents of his pockets. And just to kind of see where he was at as they were making the final preparations. And what's interesting that they found in Abraham, President Lincoln's pockets were newspaper clippings that he had cut out or he tore together and he put it in his pockets along with uh, a wallet, a Confederate $5 bill, two pairs of glasses, probably bifocal, uh, two pocket knives, a watch fob, and a handkerchief monogrammed in red with A. Lincoln. Now, in 1937, his granddaughter gave to the Liberty of Congress these newspaper clippings, and they were locked away until 1976, when they were exhibited for the first time along with the rest of the contents of his pockets from that night. And what they found in these news clippings is, you know, one was like a debriefing of what happened at uh, Sherman's March on Atlanta. But one of the clippings that he he pulled in his pocket that he reminded himself was a sermon or a speech by um, Harriet Beecher Stowe's brother. And he kept close by his side encouraging articles about his presidency. Um, Chris Kaltenbach wrote an article on The Sun called A Pocket Full of Memories of Lincoln. And this is what she says. The newspaper clippings probably speak most eloquently of the man. Predictably, some included news of the war, including details of Sherman's march on Atlanta. Several suggest that Lincoln, here it is, who often had been vilified for his handling of the war, the Civil War, He liked to keep good news close at hand. Another suggests that Lincoln may have been a bit insecure, like all of us, and he liked to be reminded that some people thought that he was doing a good job. Every person you know needs to be encouraged, even great leaders like Abraham Lincoln. Encouragement is necessary for survival. As much as we need water, air, and food, we need encouragement in our lives. Oftentimes we, you know, I wouldn't say rightfully so, but I get it. I understand it. I don't condone it, but I understand it, how we bag on millennials all the time, right? 
Oh, millennials, oh, look at them. Oh, well, they, that's what happens when you grow up with participation trophies your whole life, and they don't keep scores of the soccer games, and everybody wins, right? Oh, millennials, oh, snowflakes, and oh, it's, why do they need encouragement? Just, you know what? You know what I should give millennials? I should give them a picture of a bridge because they could get over it, and I'll give them a picture of a, of a straw, so suck it up, millennials, and you know, you just need to do your thing and do what you're supposed to do and do your duty as a good Christian and serve and do all that stuff, but without any encouragement, but you and I need encouragement. In fact, Romans chapter 15 says that God is a God of encouragement. The psalmist says that, Jesus, that God is the glory and the lifter of our heads, meaning when we're down, when we're downtrodden, when we're depressed, when our heads are down, He lifts up our head. Why? Because God is a God of encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. And sometimes we hate to admit it, that we need encouragement, but we do. In my study, in my bookshelf, collected tons and tons of books, okay? Like I have commentaries of the Old Testament, commentaries of the New Testament. I got Greek grammar, Hebrew grammar. I got all these systematic theology books. And within all these books that's in my house, I have to... I put a picture frame on top of this red photo album. And what this red photo album is, it's when Renee and I left California and moved here, our youth and college group um, put together just a bunch of pictures of our memories together and basically how you've impacted our lives. That even in the midst of me studying, and me having to prepare and seek the face of God and study to show myself approved, I have to be reminded, hey, what you're doing matters for all of eternity. When you weep, when you cry before God, when you intercede before people, it matters for all of eternity. And I need to be reminded, and I need to be encouraged. And so the author of Hebrews then, he gives us uh, two commands, primarily in verses 12 to 14, okay? Would you write this down in your notes? Number one, so how do we begin to encourage one another? <clears throat> Number one is watch your own heart for unbelief. <clears throat> Excuse me. Watch for your own heart for what? Unbelief. See, in verse 12, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Do you guys see that? Look at how the author of, of, of Hebrews juxtaposes these two things. He says, you're a brother, you're a sister in Christ, but listen, you have to be careful that even though you're a brother and sister, you may have a what? An unbelieving heart, a sinful heart. And that clause over there, that's called an epexegetical clause. It means it explains what a sinful and unbelieving heart is. What is a sinful and unbelieving heart? It is a heart that turns away from the living God. And so before this, context is everything. Hebrews chapter 3 quotes Psalm 95. And what happens in Psalm 95? Let's go ahead and read in Psalm 95. So as the Holy Spirit says, today... If you hear his voice, do not what? Harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Verse 10, this is of course referring to Exodus. That is why I was angry with that generation. <clears throat> I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So <clears throat> Hebrews quotes Psalm 95. Psalm 95 references Numbers chapter 4. What is Numbers chapter 4? It is the account of how the Israelites had a sinful and a disobedient heart that they were led astray and they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. And what it boils down to, you guys, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but there is a real and present danger of apostasy. What is apostasy? Apostasy is turning away. Thank you so much, Felicia. Apostasy is turning away from the Lord. Apostasy is like, you know, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe, I'm not a Christian anymore. And in our community, I mean, three weeks ago, even it's like oh, apostasy, I will never walk away from God. I'll follow Jesus till the end. You know who said that? Peter, and he denied Jesus three times, right? So about three weeks ago, a uh, popular evangelical pastor and author, Joshua Harris, um, announced on social media that he was divorcing from his wife after 20 years. The following week, he announced on social media, by the way, I am walking away from the faith. I am a Christian no longer. I'm sorry for all the people that I caused hurt to and I dis that I disappointed. Do you guys know one of the songs that we sing? Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Israel Uten, he co-wrote it with Michael Gunger. Michael Gunger walked away from the Lord and committed apostasies. Like, I don't, you know, my wife and I were having a tough time and, and you know, our, we're having a tough time um, having children and, you know, how could God not give us any children and there's people who abort their babies and God wouldn't even give us any babies and, you know, we went to Israel for a trip and we stopped by Germany and we, we went to Auschwitz and we, we, we saw the gas chambers and we saw the Holocaust and how could God allow this to happen and we started asking questions and we left the church and we started our own small group and we started asking questions and asking questions and asking questions and then instead of asking questions, we just made it a conclusion, you know, we don't believe in God anymore. We don't believe in Jesus. Now, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, hey, watch your own self. See to it there's none among you who has an unbelieving and a sinful heart. And he quotes Psalm 95 and Numbers chapter 4. What is Numbers chapter 4? It is the people in the wilderness. What's the big deal? How can you apply this in your life? See, it is this, you guys. Is that that unbelieving heart, if you're taking notes, this is good stuff. I'm about to drop bombs that the Lord revealed to me while I was uh, in the restroom in between first and second service. Here it is. All right. Oh, all right. It's called Insider Revelation. Here it is. An unbelieving heart 
is rooted in a complaining spirit. An unbelieving heart is rooted in a complaining spirit. Because Israelites, the people of God, whom God redeemed, whom God set free, who provided manna from heaven, quail from the skies, who provided water from the rock, who parted the Red Sea, God who delivered them time and time again for 40 years, they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet they still complained. They, in their heart of hearts, they were complaining, oh, we did this, and we had leeks and onions in Egypt, oh, we did that, oh, you just brought us here to the desert, and they were complaining and complaining in their own hearts, and after that, they complained amongst each other, once they complained amongst each other, then they complained to Moses, then they complained to God, and they were just like, you know what, God says, I'm done with this, unbelieving generation, 40 years I, I've proven myself to you. 40 years I've given you miracle after miracle of my provision, of my power and, your, and my grace, yet you still complain. Can you guys see just the vile maliciousness intent of a complaining spirit? That this spirit of complaining, oh gosh, we have quail again, oh gosh, we have manna again, oh gosh, and always complaining, it led to this like, you know what, if God is so good, if God is so good, he could do more than that, if God is this, if God is the deliverer, how come we're still in the wilderness, if God is this, and they started complaining in their hearts, and they complained amongst themselves, and then it be, instead of encouraging each other, they started complaining and having an unbelieving heart. They gathered together, and because of that, this is the only instance in the Bible where God calls them in numbers an evil community. You're an evil community because you do not believe in my miracles. You do not believe in my provision, and you are now cast out. You cannot enter into my rest. You cannot enter my promised land. And so for my, my charge for you, church, for you and for me, is that before we could encourage, before we could love, before we could exhort, watch your own heart to see if there's any complaining spirit. I'm not saying thing, things are perfect. It's okay. I'm not saying suppress what you're feeling, right? But something simple as like, oh my God. It's so hot. When are the trade winds coming? Oh my goodness. Oh, um, it's, it's so muggy. Why don't you just like, oh, thank God my AC works. Thank God in the cafeteria where I worship, there's four ACs, and then thank God the trade winds are coming. Does that make sense? That it, it's not you choose and you default to gratitude instead of complaining. That instead of complaining and murmuring, He's like, Lord, thank you so much. I may not have this, but I have this. Lord, you provided for me time and time and time and time and time and time again. You've never too early. You're never too late. You're right on time. You're so good. You're so faithful. All that I have needed, thy hand hath provided. When you come to that point of a grateful spirit, a grateful spirit leads to a believing heart. Woo! When you're grateful, you begin to believe that God is for you. When you're grateful, you begin to believe and live out that God is good, that God is faithful, that He is just and He is righteous. 
So examine your own heart first. Lord, and only you can do this and only God knows this. Lord, am I more of a complainer or am I more of a thankful person, thankfuler? I don't know how do you say that, but do I complain more or do I give more thanks? Am I, do I murmur or am I, do I show my gratitude to you? Because the, the root of this unbelief lies in the spirit of complaint and murmuring and mumbling. Number two, would you write down, <coughs> be intentional to encourage every day, all right? Be vigilant. Be intentional. And here's the positive command. The, the negative command is like, hey, make sure you don't do this, that none of you has an unbelieving heart. Now, verse 13, it gives a positive command. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by, see, by sin's deceitfulness. That we're to encourage each other every single day. As long as today is called today, as long as there's breath in our lungs, every single day we make a conscious decision to what? Build up to exhort, to encourage. The early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in private devotions. A, min a missionary noted each one East African convert reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket or in the bush where he would pour out his heart unto God. Now over time, to these places, it became well-worn that every time, every day, they would go to this thicket, walk through, and because of foot traffic, it started clearing the way. And they would go through the thicket, and they would pray that they would worship, they would pour out to God. Now, as a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. They would kindly remind the negligent one, hey, brother, the grass grows on your path. The grass grows on your path. Let me ask you guys, when, I don't know, when, when you guys go to church, I was like, oh, shucks, so-and-so wasn't there today. I wonder how they're doing. Oh, sister, so-and-so wasn't there. Oh, gosh, I should give them a text. Hey, miss you. Is everything okay? Can I pray for you? And, and this is how we begin. This is the spiritual dynamic of encouraging one another. And can I just say this? Here's a freebie in, in terms of encouragement. Think of encouragement like a transaction, okay? All, the, all you parents in the house, right? Every time you and I correct, we withdraw. We withdraw from that relationship. We withdraw on that friendship. But whenever you and I affirm and encourage, we deposit. May I encourage you? Deposit more than you withdraw. Encourage more than you correct. That every time we, you correct your child or every time you and your spouse go through it, could you encourage more that there would be the sandwich of affirmation, correction, and affirmation, right? That we encourage each other 
every day. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day is approaching. Why is encouragement important, you guys? Two reasons. Number one, would you write this on your notes? Encouragement discourages sin. Encouragement discourages sin. Meaning that the deception of sin cannot thrive when there is, an, when there is encouragement. Now, why would I say that? Because Hebrews chapter, chapter 3 verse 12, it is, the warning is what? Apostasy, that people are going to walk away from God. Verse 13, the author of Hebrews gives a remedy or gives an answer to apostasy. What is the answer, what is the antidote to people walking away from the faith? Encourage each other every single day. You see, when there's unbelief, when there's a complaining spirit, think of it like weeds, right? If there's, you're always complaining, there's like, oh gosh, I, this didn't go my way and this promotion didn't happen and you begin to complain, think of it like a weed, right? Like weeds that are beginning to sprout out in your heart. When there is encouragement, what encouragement does, it, it's like a weed killer. Sprays that thing and it kills it. Discouragement cannot thrive, you guys. If we are the people of God, encourage and build each other up. You know, my kids, you know, I, I try to uh, give them a, a good work ethic and a strong work ethic, but man, um, I'm not naturally an encourager. You know, I, I, you know, I'm an old school, I'm an old fool from the old school, and I'm just like, do what you're supposed to as you're told, do, do what you're supposed to be doing, right? And teach my kids, oh, you guys have it so good, you don't even know. I walked 10 miles. I'm just kidding, I'm not that bad. But, <laughs> but, you know, just tell my kids, like, hey, you guys need to wash that van. That van takes you to swim practice. It takes you to Ice Palace. It takes you to Target. It takes you to Costco. Judah, you better wash that outside. Noah, you better vacuum that inside, you know, and you must have the right techniques, you know, in washing and everything. And, and so, you know, this Friday... I'm just like, okay, get it done. You know, we have church this weekend. We have campus beautification. I don't want to have bird poop in my car. Oh, the pastor's car is a bird poop, you know. And so I told them to clean it, and then it's about 8 o'clock, and Renee's like, hey, babe, uh, dinner's ready. And I come home, and I'm just like so tired. You know, long day. And then she's like, babe, smile on your face. I'm like, oh, okay. And she goes, hey, you got to encourage them, encourage them. So I'm like, oh, gosh. It's like, Judah, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for washing the car. You're, you're really beginning to have a good work ethic, and I could tell there's improvement in the way you're doing things. Noah, I appreciate you doing that. You know, when you have a clean car, I heard a Bible college sermon that how you treat your car is how you treat your spirituality. I don't know. I disagree, but I don't know. It is what it is. But, like, so, you know, when you watch out for things like this, like, you know, you make dad and mom so proud. And just encourage Instead of withdrawing all the time, what do we need to do? Deposit, affirmation, encourage, exhort, 
love you guys. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad to be your dad. I'm so glad. And so <clears throat> we'll go ahead and close with this. Why do we need to encourage? Because encourage fortifies or strengthens endurance. When we encourage one another, we enable each other to persevere in our faith. Because we give up when we're discouraged. When we're discouraged, when we're down, we're out, we're, we're pessimistic. It's like, I want to give up already. We bow out of our faith. But encouragement, it strengthens our faith. It, it produces in us an endurance. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. We'll close with this verse. <coughs> we have come to share in Christ. <clears throat> if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly for how long? To the very end. To the very end. Now, there's a, a man, his name is William Wilberforce. He was very discouraged because for many years and decades, he worked to abolish slavery in Great Britain. And he, God had raised up William Wilberforce to eradicate and change the laws in the parliament, English parliament, to abolish slavery. And there's a pastor, John Wesley, John and Charles Wesley, where we get the Methodist movement or Methodist denomination. John Wesley heard about it. John Wesley was a lot older so he, with a trembling hand, six days before his death, decides to personally write and encourage William Wilberforce. Unless, and this is his letter, unless divine power has raised you, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing the execrable villainy that is the scandal of religion of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you, William, for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God before you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God, in the power of His might, till even American slavery, the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall be vanished away before it, that He who has guided you from your youth may continue to strengthen you in all this is the prayer of dear sir, your affectionate servant, John Wesley. John Wesley died six days later, but William Wilberforce took these words of life, inhaled these words of encouragement and challenge, and he fought slavery for 45 years. Until 1833, three days before his own death, slavery was abolished in Great Britain. The power of encouragement, the power of giving life, the power to strengthen and produce endurance in each one of us, the power of encouragement to, to kill a complaining spirit, to kill and 
uh, an unbelieving heart, it is through this spiritual dynamic called encourage one another. Encouragement. Building each other up, you guys. Not tearing each other down, but build each other up. And before we apply this to the church and our, all you husbands, may I just encourage you, man, speak life to your wife. Babe, I love you so much. Thank you for all that you do for this family. Wow, the house looks so clean, babe. Wow, you look so pretty tonight. Thank you for raising our kids well. Babe, I can't imagine doing life without you. Wives, build up your husbands. Thank you for providing for our family. Thank you for your faithfulness and just your consistency. Thank you for leading our family well. Thank you for sacrificing yourself for the sake of our family. Pour into your children. Build them up every single day. Make it a point. Put it on your iPhone. Put a reminder. Every day, encourage. Every day, build up. Every day, exhort. Every day, edify. And when we, when we invest in encouragement, complaining spirit gets chopped off in the head. An unbelieving heart cannot grow. Apostasy is straight away. Why? Because of encouragement. Do you guys see the power of encouragement? All we have to do is just appreciate, support, believe, and love. You know, when you see someone at church, hey, it's so great to see you. You are a blessing and a gift to this church. We love you so much. All right? These are the things that would build and solidify our faith, right? I'm going to ask the ushers to move forward and our council so that we can have our communion. <clears throat> and as we have our communion, may I encourage us uh, three things. One is look back. Look back that over 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth, took on skin, took on bones. He lived a perfect life you and I could never live. He died the death of the cross that you and I deserved. He was resurrected so that you and I could have eternal life. Believe in your heart of hearts in the historical fact of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Look back even 5,000 years before that, that the angel of the Lord passed over every Hebrew house that had the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, that, this, the, that God spared each firstborn child that had the blood of the lamb, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, that God paid it all, that Jesus took your place, Jesus took my place. It really happened. It was not in a galaxy far, far away. It happened in Jerusalem. It happened in space and time. God entered into our world in Jesus Christ. Not only do we look back, but we look in. 
Paul says, examine yourself before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup and see if you're in the faith. Ask yourself, Lord, am I an, a complainer or, am I a, or do I give thanks? Lord, do I withdraw and correct a lot more or Lord, do I deposit and speak life? Lord, is there any doubts in my life? Lord, please forgive me. Holy Spirit, cleanse me and make me pure. Give me grace and strength so I can love you with heart, mind, soul, and strength. So look back, look within, but look forward. That 2 Thessalonians says that at the sound of a trumpet and the loud shout of the angels, Jesus Christ will come back. When Christ returns, you and I will literally physically have bread and wine with Jesus that you and I could examine the scars in his hands we could touch his sides where he was pierced for your transgressions and my transgressions that we look forward this is just poo-poos this is just an appetizer to the main course that one day Jesus Christ the King is coming back and we will have a meal with him forever for all of eternity and so with that in mind, as you guys are being served, could we wait on one another and hold on to your portion? And we'll sing the creed, this I believe.
For I received from the Lord, which I now pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, broke it, gave thanks, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, we're forever grateful. We're forever indebted. We're forever transformed, O oh God, because of the cross. Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken so that we can live in wholeness. Wholeness in mind, body, and soul, and spirit. By the scourgings that you bore on your back, we are healed. So, Father, all the good promises that you have for us, we receive it. As we eat this bread, we pray for grace. We pray for strength. We pray for sustenance, O oh God, that we would love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We believe in the resurrection. We look back to your finished work at the cross. We look in and ask forgiveness and repentance, and we look forward with anticipation, Lord, of your return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Return, O oh Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat this. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink of the cup. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's all stand together, you guys. All right, can we practice what we preach? Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. You are a blessing to me. You're a blessing to this church. So great seeing you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and proclaim.